Hello, Accelerators. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Amy Green. Amy is a financial coach and speaker. She specializes in helping couples communicate openly and honestly about their money so they can go from overwhelmed and frustrated to confident and collaborating. Amy guides her clients to work together, learning how to organize, prioritize, and plan their money so they can reach their financial goals faster. She is a transformational speaker, helping her audiences think, feel, and do different when it comes to their money. Amy resides in New Jersey with her husband and two daughters. Amy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Laura. It's a pleasure to be here. I would like to start out all of my guest interviews with one question, and that is, who is one person who has left a legacy you admire or would like to emulate? That is a very good question, and it's definitely something that we all should ponder, because just as we move through life, we should have a role model. And when I immediately, the first thing that pops in my head when you ask the question is Dave Ramsey. Would you like to expound upon that? Well, I think for for starters, he is the one who actually put the word legacy into my field of vision. You know, bebopping through life beforehand, before I even knew who Dave was, legacy was not really a concept or a word that I used. But after going through his program, his baby steps, getting out of debt, building significant net worth, if you will, and then being a financial coach, teaching the same principles to folks, legacy is a word I use all the time. And it really does change the way in which you will, which I operate my life in the sense of, I want to have impact. And so legacy is not just about having a lot of money. It can be part of it, right? It can be a part of what you're doing for your family. There's legacy for your family and how you're, you're taking care of them, uh, not just for you and your spouse and retirement, but also for future generations. But it's also how we're living our lives. How are we serving others? How are we helping others? How am I going to be remembered? And what will people say about me at my funeral? That's what I think of when Dave talks about legacy. There's so many facets to it. It's not just financial. It's your impact and service to others, your integrity, your spiritual walk, all of the things that make up the fabric of our lives. They're all encompassed in that word legacy. I say all the time that legacy is more than the dollars and cents we leave in a bank account. It's the tools, the habits, the mindset that we pass on to those around us, not just our children, but anybody that we come in contact with. I am going to be focusing more on the legacy that we leave in those other aspects as the podcast goes on. But you are a fellow Ramsey coach, right? You've yes. been through financial coach master training. You follow Dave. Obviously, you just said that. That's how we got connected, just so everybody knows. But one thing I posted on social media about my friends that were debt-free, wanting to talk about how that has impacted their lives, because it's not just me. People that listened to the podcast a couple of weeks ago heard my friend Meredith Fletcher, who came on, and she was debt-free before I was even on this journey. So it's not just me. It's not just you. There are people all around that are doing this. And one thing that you and I have talked a lot about is how being debt-free affords us opportunities in life. Can you talk about, like, how does it give you an opportunity? What what kind of impact does being debt-free have in that way? Right. Well, it, it's given us margin in our life. So I think back to before we became debt-free and we were, you know, living like normal people. We weren't crazy in debt. Well, I lie. We we paid off a lot of money, but we 
had a credit card. We paid that off every month, but it, it, some months we had to take out of savings in order to cover it. Right. And we did not have an emergency fund. We were basically using whatever savings we had to cover the, the overage and spending on our card. And so we were intentional with our money. But now that we have gotten out of debt and we paid off $245,000 in 24 months, we still have a mortgage payment. We live in New Jersey. <laughs> I feel like we might always have one. But it allows us this freedom to, to have space in our budget, in our life. And going through the process of being debt-free, you really learn how to become intentional. So when it comes time to reach baby step four, if you will, and for those who don't know, it's we've got we're debt-free. We have a fully funded emergency fund. Now we're saving for retirement. We have space in our budget to take vacations, to go out to eat, to give more to our church, you know, or to give more for anybody. And so we have these opportunities an opportunity that didn't actualize, but my husband's company was doing a bunch of layoffs recently this past month. And he wasn't sure if he was going to be affected. And I said, hey, you know what? Honestly, if it happens, we're going to be fine. Because I know we have the fully funded emergency fund and we have savings in other areas that if we needed to, we could pull out of. And I'm still working. So it wasn't, it's not this huge freak out that that could happen. And I actually look at it as a, if it were to happen, it would have been a blessing, right? My husband maybe could get a different job, an opportunity to say, hey, I don't want to be in this world. I want to be in another world or I want to work somewhere else or who knows where we would be led to with if that were to happen. He was not let go, but it would have been an opportunity to explore other options for his career. I love that. An opportunity to explore. And I'm writing that down because I really like that idea. I've made comments before about when I was working jobs, I would take any job I could get. I was working to have enough money to have food on the table. That's never a good place to be because you're desperate. When I was an actor, I was an actor for a decade, I would walk into an audition room thinking, I have to get this job or I'm not going to eat. I never once booked a role that I had to get because I was desperate and I was trying too hard and I was doing too much. And I was just, it was not a fun experience. But when I started to have that margin, I had one, the opportunity to explore my creative talents, but two, I had the margin to have more fun. So I had margin in my budget. I was able to be more creative, have a better time. And then I started booking things. Yes. Right. Because I wasn't desperate and I wasn't, it wasn't gross. Like it wasn't a negative experience. And I think that's something I would just like to normalize for people. This is what life could look like for you. You could explore other options. You could have other business ventures. It, it's one of those things where if people listen to the Ken Coleman show, Ken Coleman does work on careers and helping you find your passion and your purpose. He talks a lot about people call in and say, hey, I think I'm going to get fired. I'm going to have to go take a job making less money. And his response is always, why does it have to be less? What if you get fired and you go work somewhere and you make more? And it's just the change of thinking yeah. that you have to go through. Absolutely. And I always tell people, like when I'm talking about my story about getting debt-free, I was actually fired from my job halfway through our debt-free journey. Oh, wow. And I had been given so many signs and signals and words from God to quit, 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 quit. But I was so scared. I was so absolutely afraid to quit 
my daughter, my oldest was not even to, you know, we were still trying to pay off debt. Where's money going to come from? How are we going to make this work? Like my schedule I can control. We have childcare stuff, right? All arranged with family and friends. So there was so much fear around it. But now if anything changes, there's no fear. Mm. There's no fear because we've got this safety net, this cushion, this security built in with our personal finances by being debt free. Our cars are paid for. You know, everything is covered. Like, we don't have to worry about it. I talk about cars because I come from a family where we drive them to the ground. My dad's car is literally 24 years old. And we can save for car repair. So when I need new tires, we have $1,400 to pay for tires, right? It's My husband needed a new computer in his car, 1100 bucks. It's cheaper than a new car or a new right. or a car. So we can cover it. So there's just opportunities there to just experience life and take care of the things that need to be taken care of. We had some work done on our house this past week and, you know, seven grand, but the money's there so that we can do those things. We can fix our house and not it become an emergency. When you have that buffer, there are fewer things that feel like an emergency, which is weird and shocking. I, I took a ride in an ambulance at the end of July, which was not my favorite thing that I've ever done, but I did it and it's fine. I didn't have to worry about how am I going to be able to pay this? Because I knew that there was money there. So I was worried more about taking care of myself and getting past the problem and less about, I can't afford to get in this ambulance right now. And there are people, and I asked, I was trying to make conversation to forget about my troubles. And the gentleman in the back was like, people will refuse an ambulance ride because it costs too much money and they need to use the ambulance, but it costs too much money and they can't do it. I want to go back to something you were talking about, having no fear, having a sense of security from being debt-free. Would you say there's also a sense of security because you're paying attention, Mm -hmm. because you're being intentional, and if you were to lose a job, you know what needs to be covered and you don't have to freak out about it? Yes, yes. Because with clarity, right, when we are clear as to where our money is going or needs to go, we have this plan. That just gives you this sense of calm. It's this reassurance that here's what we need to cover. We know what it costs to to run our household for a month without. And we know, we, we also know, like, if you're looking at the budget regularly, excuse me, that I know, like, if anything were to seriously happen, we would cut out eating out. We would probably stop buying clothes, like, or we would not be doing a lot of the extra fun things until we figured it out. But on the other side of the coin, we don't have to, right? Like there's like this, this, this duplicity there, but you know, there is an emotional and even spiritual sense of peace when you are paying attention, when you are aware of what's going on in your money. Do you find when clients come to you that that is one of the biggest missing pieces for them, not paying attention? Oh, absolutely. So many people, they just don't know what they're doing, right? Or, or they've stuck their head in the sand for so long that they're just afraid to look at it. It's like, I don't want to open the garage or the basement or the attic or whatever to look at the mess that's up there. And so just like with our money, people do the same thing. They don't want to look at it because they're afraid of what they'll see. But oftentimes, once we start to sort through it, it could be bad, right? It could be bad. We might have a mess. But the only way to clean up a mess is to start to like sift through it, to actually look at it. And so a lot of times just by getting on a budget, getting that plan in place, that alone brings a sense of peace. I always find it really enthralling when my clients will sit down, make a budget, and then they come to me the next meeting, their cadence has completely changed because they feel so confident 
because they did the work. They thought they couldn't make a budget. A lot of times they'll be like, it's going to take like three or four hours to do it. I'm like, let's do it in 20 minutes. Let's just, let's just get it done. And then they feel so confident because they've done the thing that was their barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's a lot of work to stay with the budget to keep moving forward. I don't know if it's proving to yourself that you can do it. I, I don't know what that, maybe you have some clarity on this, what that actual mental block is that they've, they've jumped over there. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes, like when you were saying, you know, it's going to take us three hours to create this budget. Sometimes I'll have some like technological challenge with my business. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to unravel this thing. And then when you actually step in to fix it, it does, never takes as long as you think it will. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might, there might be some things that as you start to pull the thread on a sweater, you feel like you're there for a while, but, <laughs> but there's, it's usually not as bad as we think, right? So we just have to start. And I love that you just, you're like, we're going to do it together. We're going to do it right now. I'm going to take 20 minutes. And so I always think back to James Clear and he talks about, let's make it a two minute habit. What can <laughs> we do that's two minutes? Like, I don't want to work out. I hit my alarm was off and I am like, it happened today. But as, as long as I put my workout clothes on, that is half the battle. Now, right. I know I'm not going to go work out the minute I walk downstairs and I have a morning routine, but I know that in an hour, my body will feel different. I will feel different. And I already have my clothes and my sneakers on. Let's just go do it. Right. So it's a totally different. There's not a hurdle to, to overcome as much at that point. What is the first thing we can do to start? I read a book one time where the author of the book would always say, you stomp your foot, begin. You literally stomp your foot on the ground and start. Or some people count backwards from five, five, four, three, two, one, and then on one, they go. Just get started. I think there's something about that that can be really powerful. So for the people in our lives that are saying, well, maybe I'll do it tomorrow, or maybe I'll do it next time, or maybe they're holding themselves up. Maybe they need something like that to get them started. Right, right. And it's funny, my newsletter that went out this morning to my all my subscribers is to do it anyway. And so many times, I don't know about you, but I never feel like making dinner. I don't even know what to make. I don't feel like doing laundry. I don't feel like doing my budget. I don't feel like creating X, Y, or Z. I don't feel like it, but we just do it anyway. And I think as moms, because you're a mom of many, and I am too myself, there's just things we have to do. We just, there's no other choice but to do it. And when we just have that attitude towards our finances, your confidence will come. Confidence always follows action. So just do it anyway. Like I did my workout the other day at my parents' house. It's not my usual routine, but I was like, I have to do it. And once you start, it's totally different. And the, and the workouts and the work that you do when you least feel like doing it are where it matters the most. And once you get going, your confidence comes. You are never going to be confident in doing something until after you've done the thing or at least gotten started. You can't be confident until you've practiced it. I also hate making dinner. I love to eat dinner, but I don't like to make it. And so sometimes it's putting those practices in place earlier in the day. So creating things like a meal plan, creating things like a budget, creating things like a workout routine, whatever it is, when you are in a good state of mind, make those decisions at that time instead of making them when you're in the heat of the moment, when you're stressed out, when you're, when you're, uh, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, don't make those decisions when you're in a bad state of mind, make them ahead of time so that you can really set yourself up for success. 
Jocko Willink has a book called Discipline Equals Freedom. It's taking the time to plan your meals out. Like it's so much easier when I have a meal plan and I know tonight is spaghetti and meatball night or I know tonight's taco night or I know tonight's steak on the grill or whatever it is. It's so much more freeing to me when I can just like, oh, yep, we're having hamburgers. Let me pull out the beef out of the freezer, right? And then I don't have to think about what to make because that decision fatigue will get you. And the longer I push off that decision, the more tired I get, the more fatigued I am about decisions in general. And then it's like, then we want to cop out to chicken finger night or we're going to order something. So the planning of it and and having the discipline to create a budget, look at your budget every day to create your meal plan, to have kind of these routines set up, these habits, we fall to the level of our systems. This is all James Clear. I love Atomic Habits. (laughs) For that in the show notes, one of my favorite books, Atomic Habits, and just creating these systems it's just like, you have to think like we all, I'm assuming we all brush our teeth twice a day. Like I'm assuming we all just do it. We feel it. And when we don't brush our teeth, we're like, oh, or we don't put on deodorant. Then we're like, oh, I didn't put on deodorant. But it's a habit. We just, we do it without thinking and we brush our teeth without thinking. But if we can start to routinize, routinize, routinize our, our habits when it comes to money, meal planning, grocery shopping, whatever, is you're building in this discipline, which will give you freedom down the road. Decision fatigue is real, especially for moms, because not only are we making decisions for ourselves, we're making decisions for tiny people that can't make their own decisions. And we have to make sure that all of the decisions fit within the bubble of the family and the family decisions. And then you're making decisions with the money and you're making decisions for the husband and you're making decisions for like, there's a lot of decisions to make. So if you can make them when you're in a good state of mind, you're really setting yourself up for success. But that also reminds me that we should not be making all of the decisions. We should not be making all of the money decisions. You need someone in your corner to help you out. And if you are married, that is your spouse. And your spouse should be helping you make these decisions. You should never be the only one making decisions because it's too much on your shoulders. Being yes. man, woman, whoever you are in the relationship. Because I, I have plenty of clients that come to me and they're like, you know, well, I've been doing it for 27 years. So obviously it's my job. No. Let's change some things. Let's do things together. I've gone to my husband and said, hey, I'm so tired of making all the decisions. I can't keep doing this. You're going to have to help me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, Laura, but I get a lot of clients. Maybe because I'm female, I attract females, but the the wife will come to me and she's like, I do it all. My husband's never on board. He doesn't know what's happening. And my job as a coach is to help them learn how to work together, to create that teamwork, to create this cooperation where she might still be the one doing most of the admin stuff, like doing the budget and paying the bills, but he's involved with the knowledge of what's going on. He's helping make decisions. He's putting in his opinion and his two cents into the whole plan so that they know what's happening and then they work it together. So yes, I agree with you on that, that oftentimes there's like one person who's been doing it forever and they just carry that burden, but it's a burden. It really is a burden with the decision fatigue and how to manage it. Sometimes you'll see when the money doesn't quite add up, Whoever's left with the responsibility is going to make decisions by themselves as to what do we do to keep this ship going. And rather than start a conversation that might be uncomfortable, they just go and get a credit card to make things work, right? And then next thing you know, they're $40,000 in credit card debt and the husband or the other spouse has no idea. And so we just right. we got to work on this, this communication, the clarity and the cooperation together. And for the record, that's quite common. Or at least it has been for people that have been coming to me where 
all of a sudden he's upset because she has $40,000 credit card. And I was like, well, where were you helping make the decisions? Like, this isn't all on her. Right. Absolutely. You, I'm starting to work on these identity profiles and things with people that are coming to me. And one thing that I've found is that the oxen and the ostrich tend to go together. So the ostrich, the person that sticks their head in the sand, they're just going to cover their ears, la, 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 nothing's happening. They tend to pair up with an oxen, somebody that's going to carry the burden, keep going. But the problem with an oxen that continues to go and go and go and go and go is eventually their knees will buckle and they won't be able to carry any weight at all. Right. We want to make sure that we aren't putting people in that position. I mean, an ostrich, probably not going to be able to carry a heavy load. But he can walk alongside the oxen, cheer him along, but we got to, we got to do things together. Yes. Right. And I, I always tell my couples like we often are opposite and we all have different skill sets. So I even look at my own husband and I, like, of course I'm a nerd. I'm a financial coach, right? I am in the budget all the time. It's not his strength, but he'll jump in when he needs to. He looks at it on his phone. He's checking where we are with the beer and wine budget, like with other things, his spending cash. And so he's aware we have conversations about things to create our plan because it's not just the the vacuum of the budget. It's looking at it like, okay, August pertains to September, which pertains to October, you know, all these months and where are we heading? Where are we going? And so we have to we have to create this plan from a 30,000 foot perspective as well. So okay. definitely we don't want people to burn out because I, I see a lot of spouses, the one spouse will be burnt out completely. Yes on it all. They're at their wits end. And that's when they come to me is their, it's like their last hope. Our hope as financial coaches and one of the hopes of this podcast is that we can reach people before they hit that. Yes. Before they hit that wall. Like we want to be here for you and we want to help you. And it's not just, we're not just crisis counselors. We don't just fix things once rock bottom has happened. I have clients that come to me because they are focused on that legacy building. And they're like, I'm not in crisis. I'm doing great. I want to do better. Yes. There's a reason why Michael Jordan had a coach Mm -hmm. because he wanted to get better. He was already amazing, but sometimes we can be amazing and still have people that can see things that we can't see. We need to get more people to realize that financial coaching is not a shameful thing because I have people come to me and they're like, well, I should already know this. So I, I don't need help. And I'm like, but do you? It's okay. It's okay to want help. It's okay to want to do better. I think that we're always in this evolution in life. And no matter where you are in terms of your finances, there's always a way to get better. Having a coach in your corner is just someone to help you see blind spots. I mean, I have a coach, right? Helping me see my blind spots and where I can improve and what I can tweak and what we can change. And so always having someone to, to keep pushing us forward. I think that's really important. As we start to wrap this up, what are different ways that we can make money work to create opportunities for ourselves? I just want our money to work for us and to help other people see that money can work for you and create opportunities for you. When you want money to work for you, it's looking at what do you value? What are your priorities? What's important to you? Because often I see clients, their money is going out the door in 800 different directions none of which are important to them. They just can't say no. So they say yes to all things. But if you got crystal clear on what it is that you want, what would make your life amazing? What would make give you security and stability in your finances? What would give you joy and happiness in your life, right? Focusing on those things and only those things. 
like season passes to the local theme park are fun, but you know, you're like, well, we would rather save for college or we would rather fix our house. You know, we've got some work that needs to be on the house and we make that choice. And it's making these tough choices to say no to some things temporarily or in the meantime, in order to say yes to the other things that matter. And so it's always about looking at what's a need versus a want. And out of the wants, what are our priorities and what can we afford to do? And some people can't afford to do much based on their situation, but oftentimes we can do more than we think we can. We can cut out some subscriptions. We can stop eating out so much. We can, you know, reduce some expenses in some ways in order to put the money where we want it to go. There's an old saying that if you want to see what someone values, you look at their calendar or their bank statement. And a lot of people, if you go look at their bank statement, you ask them, is this what you value? I'd be like, oh, no, uh, obviously there are other things I want more than this. I'm like, so why are you not focusing on this? Why are you not giving that the attention it needs? Why are you giving your money to these other things? Why are you giving your money to banks? Stop paying penalties. Stop paying for your past. Start saving for your future. Amy, before we go, I have a couple questions. Is there anywhere that people can come and find you and get resources from you? Yes. So I have a website, amygreenfc.com, and I am green with uh, three E, so G R E N E. <laughs> that last E gets dropped. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at amygreenfc. You can find me there as well. And so, yeah, feel free to reach out and connect with me. We'd love to continue the conversation. And if anybody is listening to this, Go ahead, post us on Instagram, tag me, tag Amy, so that we know we can reply to you. We can have a conversation with you. We would both really love that. Um, Amy, my last question to you is, what is the legacy you want to leave? I have done work on this. I want to leave a legacy of service, not only to my family, right? So kids and my husband, to my church and to my community, but to others, really pouring into people and helping them know that they can have better than what they've got, right? Whether it's money or life issues or anything like that, but just really moving them forward into the life that they might not think is possible for them. And, you know, it's also about creating generational wealth that will pass down not only to our children, but our children's children. That That's part of it. And eventually creating, whether it's a scholarship fund or a family foundation, but something along the lines of being outrageously generous as we move forward with our financial journey. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Being of service in multiple different ways. Amy Green, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. Thank you, Laura. It's been a pleasure.